0: What are vital conversations?
1: Vital, definition one.
0: Of the utmost importance.
1: Contemporary, meaningful,
0: valuable. Concerned with or necessary to the maintenance of life.
1: Health, resiliency,
0: wholeness, life. What are vital conversations?
2: Important talks between two or more people about contemporary issues that lead to
0: or are a challenge to
2: the health, the vitality, life of our churches, our communities,
0: our people, our world. Welcome to Vital Conversations. Superintendent of Congregational and Community Vitality for the Mountain Sky Conference. Uh, On the call with us is Don Lemons who is part of our Congregational Vitality staff and sort of runs the webinar for us. And we welcome today two guest speakers for our conversation about youth ministry today. First, we welcome Chris Wilterdink, who is the Director of Young People's Ministries for Discipleship Ministries of the United Methodist Church. He believes that ministry with and among young people is life-giving for individuals and transformational for the church. We also welcome Amanda Daniel, who is our coordinator for young people's ministries and camping ministry in the Mountain Sky Conference. Amanda brings an extensive experience of young people's ministries as well as camping ministry from her previous home state of Texas, and now in the Mountain Sky Conference. And she currently resides in Riverton, Wyoming. So welcome, Chris and Amanda. It is good to have you with us. Thank you all for being here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to them in just a moment, but I invite you, if you have questions along the way, comments, uh, be in conversation with us. Uh, one way you can do that is through the chat and just feel free to uh, put up questions and comments there and I'll pass those along when it seems most appropriate. So Amanda, Chris, I'm gonna turn it over to you.
3: All right. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and thank you everyone for joining us, uh, today. Um, very important conversation today to talk about youth ministry. And, um, what we'll do is I have some interesting questions that I'm going to pose to Chris and, um, we'll just be in conversation together and be in discussion. And if you, like Jeff said, if you have some questions or, um, some feedback, um, put it in the chat. So, um, the first question, we'll just go ahead and get started here. Chris, um, what would you say is the current climate of youth ministry amidst this pandemic?
4: Um, Yeah, it is great to be with everybody. And uh, I think the easiest one word answer to that question is scattered. Um, Probably the worst purchase any of us made at the end of last year was a 2020 planner and those involved with youth ministry are experiencing the same things that those of us in all areas of the church and really all areas of life are experiencing. Um, there's just such a different um, face to the pandemic and the response that is um, very, very specific for different contexts that uh, it's left a lot of people that focus on youth ministry um, feeling very scattered, um, sometimes a little bit depressed um, because. Uh, Many of them thrive, seeing people in person and continuing to develop relationships through, you know, gatherings and networking and doing fun events together. And those have just been, uh, you know, pushed to the side. Um, At the same time, there's some places that are thriving a little bit as well. Um, Even while youth workers might be feeling a little bit fatigued or, or maxed out because they've been trying to do in-person things plus online things and trying to figure out how to answer, you know, big questions for their families and for their churches. Um, There's also some resiliency that's there too. Um, Looking at the response of my own children, uh, as well as youth ministries across the world, um, young people are just as resilient as ever. Um, It seems in some ways they're able to kind of embrace new normals or, you know, do those things that are required of them uh, a little bit more quickly and more easily than the adult population. So it's a, a, vibrant and yet very, very scattered at the same time.
3: Thank you. Um, I know a number of our youth workers in Mountain Sky are on the call today, so I'm sure they can certainly um, attest to that. Um, You, Chris, you work with um, other youth workers across the, the country, and so What are some of the other challenges that you've seen youth workers face um, across across our vast nation?
0: (laughs) Sure.
4: (laughs) Actually, uh, it's global for me. Um, And so the the variety of folks that I get to be in contact with are um, just incredibly diverse. Um, I'm in relationship with leadership groups in the Philippines across the African continent as well as the European Central Conferences Um, and so when I talk about contextual differences I mean oh my goodness there are huge cultural geographic um, and economic differences between those groups as well Um, the response to um, most of at least at the current time, we're we're meeting in September, which is traditionally when the academic calendar gets going again for young people. Um, and there is almost like a group of sacred cow sort of activities, right? There's the fall kickoffs, there's uh, pumpkin patch fundraisers, or um, you know different fundraisers that you're doing to try to get ready for retreats or winter things, and then, um, you know, if you're planning way ahead, you'd normally be thinking about, uh, you know, where you might do a mission experience next year and that kind of a thing. And that whole planning cycle has gotten genuinely interrupted, um, really for everybody. Um, And so there is kind of this shared grief uh, around not being able to do those things that we traditionally love doing this time of year. Uh, and at the same time, uh, a real need for some innovation and creativity as people sort of dig deep into what does it look like to continue developing relationships um, when people can 't travel um, when people can 't join together in person um, and so there 's kind of some neat opportunities that i 've seen um, for people really digging in locally within their own communities um, to connect with people that aren't connected with their church yet or ask questions about what the community needs and having that be much more hyper-localized um, than it has been in the past. Uh, hopefully part of my, my role too is to be able to share some of the stories uh, of those things that, that do happen um, and maybe catch on some inspiration in some other places as well. So later on, I'll uh, share our website where we share some of those stories. And I should probably also add that uh, I know in the um, Rockies, especially right now, uh, the difference that fires are making is just a whole nother set of challenge um, on top of the pandemic, right? Um, So those hyper local needs, um, you know, might extend to the next county or, you know, churches in our immediate area that are dealing with fires in ways that we are not as well. Um, I, I come from Colorado originally. I grew up going to St. Andrew United Methodist um, before they moved down to Highlands Ranch. And then I also served at St. Luke's uh, in Highlands Ranch before moving to Tennessee. Um, and so I, I also know that within the Mountain Sky Conference, there's a huge variety of contexts, right? Uh, you know, going from urban to suburban, to mountain, uh, you know, to uh, the plains, um, to deserts, to, you know, everything in between. Um, so when you're looking all the way from Utah to Montana, um The needs of what uh, a community or a school district or a specific group of students or families are going to need is going to just be very, very different depending
1: on where you are
3: Thank you, yes, and so along that those lines um, as you interact with other folks across across the our nation and across the globally um, what are some? activities or or things you're seeing folks do um alternatively since they can't meet in person Um, and i know we had when we were emailing each other we talked about some high-tech versus some low-tech things that people are doing um and i think i mentioned and all of you on the call correct me if i'm wrong but i think a lot of our um churches sort of fall more on the low-tech side of that. Um, So do you have any um, neat ideas to share that you've heard that people are doing?
4: Uh, Sure. Um, Something that may give some folks comfort is um, if you are using technology at all, it makes a lot of sense to be able to use the technology that's already being employed by the school district in your area. Um, The idea of screen time fatigue and those sorts of things is absolutely a real thing. Uh, I do know that there's youth leaders and youth who are struggling with boundaries and uh, amounts of time that are, you know, currently being asked of them to be online using, you know, technology, whether that's for school or for other things. Um, so, starting on the on the tech side, just quickly, um, the the most effective kind of things that I think are happening out there are using things like this. They're using Zoom, um, if that's been used within a school district, or um, some churches have set up their own Google Classrooms. Um, and shared devotions or prayers that way um, because if their school district is leaning on uh, Google Classroom to be able to share assignments and create homework and do that kind of thing, uh, it also can really be used pretty effectively within a ministry setting to set up uh, prayer groups or ongoing prayer lists, um, share devotions or readings for the week and be able to hyperlink directly to those sorts of things. Um, So that's pretty darn useful. Uh, Another one, and actually if it's okay I I might screen share real fast, Let's see, screen sharing to desktop too. All right, there's an app called Kahoot, uh, which is uh, pretty fun. Um, It is technology, but uh, it's not all that hard to set up. And basically it's like an online quiz or trivia game um, where you can build in your own questions and build in your own answers and let people log in either from their phone or from their uh, desktop or laptop computer to be able to do kind of shared quizzes and have some fun together as parts of games. there are several churches that I know that would do sort of faith at the movies or drive-in movie things over the summertime. And uh, there's an extension for Google Chrome that's called Netflix Party. And if you download this extension uh, and everybody using it would have to be using the internet browser Google Chrome to make it happen. Um, but basically then you can have everybody logged into their own individual Netflix accounts at home. Um, and this queues up the movie so that you're watching it at the same time. Um, synchronously. So if you want to pause it for, um, you know, devotions or conversation or discussions, those kinds of things, um, it works pretty well. And so those would be two of the, um, you know, sort of high-tech things that hopefully are not all that difficult to uh, to tap into, because I know how stressful it can be to jump into um, using technology that you're not used to, right, as I trip over my words while I'm trying to stop screen sharing. Case in point, Um, Some low-tech stuff that's been really, really great. Um, Doing things like uh, adopt a youth and doing some sort of letter writing um, and utilizing the Postal Service, Um, not that they've got other things to worry about this time of year with mail-in ballots or those sorts of things, Um, but um, receiving a letter in the mail uh, from a congregation member and almost starting like a really old-school pen pal kind of relationship uh, could be really, really cool. And that idea actually comes out of uh, the Fuller Youth Institute's um, sort of sticky faith and growing young materials um, that talk about uh, the need for a church to have somewhere between five and seven adults that are willing to pour into the life of a young person in order for them to grow and stay connected to uh, their church, their home church, as they start to grow and mature, not only in years, but their faith as well. Um, So it could be as simple as letter writing. It could get as complex as doing care packages if you really wanted to. If anybody's got old shoe boxes around and is willing to adopt a youth, you could bake a dozen cookies um, that will not crumble apart, but like are kind of dense ones. And you know what? Send those out with um, packets of hot chocolate and encouraging notes or devotions from church members. Um, And you know you utilize the mail service that's there to be able to do those things. Um, There have been plenty of folks that have been doing socially distanced outdoor gatherings. And I know that, Uh, you know uh, you all had snow already depending where you were in the state uh, in September uh, in Colorado at least and I'm sure it uh, touched uh, Montana and Wyoming as well Um, so that outdoor gathering time is starting to be a little bit more dicey but I know churches that have had a lot of uh, success being able to do some uh, developmental things for students and for youth and for families using that outdoor space Um, you know school districts really Uh, as they've worked on their academic plans have really focused on the academic side of things or the academic health of students. Um, And I think that's leaving a gap that churches can kind of lean into to support students and their families in terms of like social health and social development, um, their physical health or physical development, as as well as their mental well-being and their spiritual well-being. Um, so uh, if you've got an outdoor space, or even if you have you know, one of the few indoor spaces, if, if you're in more of a rural community, but you've got a sanctuary or a fellowship hall that you could you know, properly socially distance and go through steps with your leadership committee to identify what you want to do to be able to reduce the risk of any kind of transmission, uh, you've got a really interesting opportunity to open up your uh, space, whether that's for tutoring and um, shared learning, Uh, or if it's simply a gathering space for people to still be able to to gather and get some of that social health as well. And I know groups have done that pretty well. Uh, Again, that one really depends on local ordinances, uh, as well as some of the guidance of your district superintendent or your conference staff, whatever the recommendations are for using your building. Um, But but that's been a pretty big one. And then uh, the last low tech sort of thing I I would share is that uh, there's been several churches who've had some great success um, doing things like accountability challenges. where it's you know using text or um, you know apps, whatever messaging apps people are using um, you know, in your community, um, to just ask that historical Methodist question of how is it with your soul, and what are you doing right now to continue to feel um, the connection to God, um, be called by the Holy Spirit into action and those sorts of things. Um, and instead of that all flowing through the senior pastor or through the, the youth leader, whether they're volunteer or staff, um, the best of those have really set it up almost like a prayer partner relationship uh, or a small group where it's, you know, two, three, four uh, mix of youth and adults uh, who are willing to hold each other accountable as prayer partners and use that as uh, a supplement and support for these times when you can't gather in person.
3: Yes, thank you. I I know a lot of um, our youth workers across Mountain Sky have, have also come up with some other great Um, Things that they've been doing and I know some of you on the call have done some cool things and I know you uh, Do your bike rides, um, which I think is so fun. If I lived closer, I would definitely join you Um, So please feel free to share in the chat if you have some other ideas to share with the group of things that you are doing um, at your local congregation Um, Chris, you mentioned um, that there are some other uh, resources you had um, for youth workers uh, to tap into. Um, Would you mind sharing some of those with us?
4: I'll be happy to and I'll trip over my words while I share my screen again. Um, And of course, I'm going to start with things that um, kind of come from within our connection. Um, The uh, agency that I work for, Discipleship Ministries, and my office of Young People's Ministries uh, is part of the general agencies of the United Methodist Church, and so we are um, uh, able to do our ministry because of our connectional system um, and the apportionments that are, um, you know, coming in to be able to support ministry in a broad variety of ways, and so I want to thank each and every one of you for um, the churches that you're a part of, because if local churches are are not healthy and not contributing to those apportionments, then we don't get to express the connectional side of our church in this way. So um, the things that you'll see from Discipleship Ministries um, are able to happen because of that connection through the World Service Fund. Um, Hopefully I started screen sharing again. And uh, the website for my office is uh, umcyoungpeople.org. And uh, we group our kind of resources into a few different categories that you can see up here at the top. Uh, We offer... um, A series of blogs um, that have to do with, um, you know, devotions, games, reflections, questions that you could build upon within your ministry uh, under the lead category. And um, if I was to click on that, it would take you just, you know, sorted by most recent to slightly older um, articles that would come along. Um, And so you can see uh, we've got some stories about how um, different communities in Africa have responded to COVID-19 as well as uh, sets of worship lessons um, that relate to the worship lessons that come out of Discipleship Ministries. Um, We've got a worship team that does, uh, follows along with the lectionary every year. And we do a combined um, set of resources for worship every Sunday, where there's uh, worship for uh, adults, uh, children's worship materials and youth worship materials as well. Uh, And so these things that you would see as uh, youth lessons for either pressing on or company scuttling. Oh, my goodness, that's our Advent one already, which is a little bit crazy to be thinking about Christmas, but that's okay. Um, And then as you go down, you know, you would see uh, different topics related to if you've got scout troops that are still trying to use your building, what are the questions that you would need to ask um, as you're making sure that that's going to be meeting all of your church's guidelines and those sorts of things. Um, So anyway, I, I would encourage folks to poke around our Young People's Ministries website. Um, and see what they find there. We also keep up a Facebook group. And if you were to just uh, put Young People's Ministries up in the the Facebook chat, you would find UMC Young People uh, as a Facebook post. We cross post most of the things from our website there, as well as a couple of extra opportunities that that come along and stories that we'd like to share. Uh, I did wanna make sure to point out that uh, the General Board of Church and Society has a uh, Sunday school curriculum that is free that also follows along with the lectionary. So, the current one right here is uh, called Connecting Faith and Justice Youth Lectionary A Curriculum. Uh, it started back in December of 2019, uh, and you can download the whole thing for free right now. Uh, it's really pretty great. It's designed for all youth, uh, though in my experience it, it tends towards maybe the 8th or the ninth grade level. Um, so, uh, opens itself up to some modifications for usage by um, anyone who wants. Uh, but out of the 52 lessons that are part of that thing, I think there are 48 different writers. Um, so it's got a huge uh, variety of, of viewpoints, and um, it's really, really quality work. And they're working on uh, Lectionary B um, for coming out this coming December as well. Uh, this tab is just the, uh, that's the worship materials from umcdiscipleship.org. And so this is what that worship page would look like. Um, when I talked about those worship packages that there's adult children's and um, youth related materials there as well. If I'm gonna go into a couple of other things, uh, the Youth Ministry Institute um, comes out of the um, annual conference of Florida for the United Methodist Church. And if you click around their site, um, they've got uh, a great um, set of blogs and podcasts, uh, particularly related to responding to the pandemic and what some creative stuff needs to look at uh, right now. Um, They also offer um, some really, really great development opportunities, uh, whether that's for somebody that's serving as a volunteer part time or full time in youth ministry, uh, or a senior pastor who is now taking on youth ministry because of changes in budgets or staff or any of those kinds of things. Um, And uh, the folks down there are really, really pretty excellent um, and offer just some really, really great resources to be able to tap into for the professional development or the leadership development of the, the leaders of youth ministries. Uh, the Fuller Youth Institute is uh, part of Fuller Theological Seminary out in California, uh, and there's one specific resource from them I wanted to highlight um, called Faith in an Anxious World. Uh, it is a four week high school curriculum, and um, I-, I know that we might have gone too quickly through some of the challenges that um, youth and youth leaders are facing, so we-, we might be able to revisit some of that. But uh, mental health is a genuine issue right now. Um, social distancing has really affected. Uh, quite a few folks, whether they are, you know, naturally extroverted or introverted. Um, And the Fuller Youth Institute has put together a a pretty low cost. I think it's like 20 bucks or 25 uh, four-week curriculum that can be used um, to address the feelings of anxiety uh, that young people might be feeling right now, whether that is related to uh, the COVID pandemic uh, and the response to it, Uh, Could be related to uh, race relations and issues that are coming up related to that, um, as well as uh, disasters and and anything else. Um, 2020, if if anything, has been really, really good for increasing our anxiety. Um, And so this is just a really, really excellent resource that came out within the last, I want to say, three or four weeks. Um, This would be kind of back into the tech world, uh, but there's a tech called Voke, V-O-K-E. And I know several churches that have used that to um, set up uh, ongoing devotions and ongoing um, prayer sharing, um, and it allows a youth leader to kind of plan out sets of devotions or sets of readings, and also do kind of a centralized place for um, you know calling people for reminders uh, to you know dive back into be able to be parts of Bible studies and to be able to reflect on the Word a little bit as well. Um, you can set up groups within Voke. Um, And the kind of stated business, you can poke around their website a little bit as well, Uh, but it really is designed for 14 to 24 year olds um, and is best on mobile platforms. So phones, iPads, those sorts of things. Uh, And then the very last one I'm gonna point out um, is uh, Axis, Axis.org. This is a non-denominational group and they're actually um, headquartered down in Colorado Springs. Um, So, when you are reading their materials, it's worth, um, you know, paying attention to the theological perspective that they're coming from uh, and, you know, seeing if you might need to do um, some methodizing or (laughs) adding some, uh, you know, graceful pieces in there. Uh, But AXIS has really been pretty great because um, part of this pandemic that we haven't really touched on yet is the added stress that it's been putting on parents as well. I've had a lot of conversations with um, local church and conference level leaders uh, who talk about parents feeling just overwhelmed and frustrated and a bit like they may be failing their youth um, because they've been asked to do all of these extra things and almost to, to fill in that schedule that used to be busy um, with you know, soccer practice and everything else. And now you don't have to do those run around things, but you still have to do school. You still gotta figure out a way to do some faith development stuff. And so AXIS develops um, PDFs uh, that are somewhere between two and four pages long. You can purchase them individually for like one or $2 uh, based on the topic that you might want to address, or I think that they've got an annual subscription uh, offer as well, so that you as a church leader could just download a whole bunch of them and then provide them to parents as as you'd see fit. Um, But uh, within their resources, If I was to go to resource overview, I think it should give us a whole bunch of the titles um, for the parent guides, for things that you could do to equip parents for conversations at home. Um, And these are very, very topical. Um, Some are gonna be um, uh, pretty new, some are gonna be a little bit older, but but these folks do a great job of being like right at the cutting edge of current news, current events. Um, So you can see that one of their newest ones has to do with cancel culture. Um, racism in the US, um, COVID-19, uh, K-pop, and a whole bunch of other things. So anyway, they've got, uh, I want to say somewhere between 30 and 40 of those guides that would be available. Um, and again, worth checking out, but worth paying attention to the theological perspective that they're coming from as well.
3: Thank you, Chris. Those are all great resources. Um, I do send out um, Youth Worker e-news. So if you are not getting that and you'd like to get it, please share in uh, the chat your email and I'll add you. Um, I do try to include a lot of resources. Uh, Most of my resources I do get from Chris. So um, there's some good ones there. Um, We also, I'll just do a quick plug, we also do have the Youth Worker Facebook group. Uh, So if you are not a member of that and you would like to be, uh, let me know and I'll add you. Um, Chris, um, early you mentioned uh, that a lot of youth workers are feeling depressed um, and we talked, you talked briefly about mental health. I wondered if you would maybe talk a little bit more about mental health and how um, our congregations can be supportive of our youth workers during this time and I, I know a lot of our pastors in Mountain Sky double as the youth workers. So we have, we have a number of churches that have a full-time youth director, but a lot of our churches are part-time or volunteers. So um, anything you'd like to share about that would be great.
4: Uh, yeah, absolutely, and you know, thank you to the senior pastors that are trying to do all of the things and all of the extra things and all of the extra new things on top of those. Um, the The great challenge of this particular season, um, I think, has a lot to do with boundaries, um, and so you know how we can support um, any church staff uh, or any church leaders, whether they're clergy or lay people youth ministry children's ministry really any kind of ministry um you know when when you're not going in and out of the physical church building and you're not living into sort of the uh standard schedule that you've set for yourself you know how how do you set up really great boundaries so that you do not drown um in all of the things that are being asked of you um, when we're operating from home, uh, you know, if that's with uh, Wi-Fi or anything else, um, it, in my own experience, it's hard to turn that stuff off, right, I, I can't just shut the computer and walk away from things when I know that there may still, you know, be some things that need to get done. Um, so conversations and um, workshops or support groups that have to do with, you know, being able to keep those boundaries good. Um, and saying, you know what, I today today ten hours is enough, or <laughs> or today eight hours is enough, um, or oh my gosh, could I perhaps even get a day off in here somehow, um, where I'm called to be able to pour into myself and do some self care a little bit. Uh, the Arkansas annual conference actually is doing something kind of interesting. They do. Uh, They do an annual youth worker training weekend and usually they bring in like a guest speaker and then there's no cost to it. It's just people have to get themselves to Little Rock or Fayetteville or wherever they're going to do the the training. Um, But this year, because they couldn't gather in person, uh, Michelle Moore, who's their annual conference coordinator, put together a, a set of resources that were designed for Sabbath. And to participate in this year's youth worker training, all somebody had to do was download the materials and promise that they were going to schedule a three-day Sabbath time uh, in order to reflect and connect and do some self-care. Uh, and so, Amanda, if you don't have the uh, the address for Michelle Moore's youth stuff on the Arkansas conference site,
3: yes, I already I already borrowed that from her, and perfect. I will. I'm working on sending that out to all of you. Um, to challenge you to do your Sabbath time
4: yeah that's great
3: great resource. it
4: it really is Uh, it really really is and um, you know part of that boundary setting might also just be you know paying attention to the ability to ride the waves a little bit Um, and I mean that we're all gonna have days where we feel a little bit more productive and a little bit more moved by the spirit to really get some things done. And then there's gonna be some days where we just feel like we're grinding and pushing and nothing is happening. Um, And so having the support of the senior pastor or the grace with yourself um, to be able to say, you know what, this is this is not a spirit filled day and this is not life giving. And so I need to do something else and breathe a little bit um, is okay. Um, So figuring out the way to to get that permission for yourself or be in conversation with folks that are on your staff parish team um, to understand some of the stresses that you're going through or um, You know that the senior pastor may be going through as well. I I think it'd be pretty big Um, Some other things that can be pretty supportive um, figuring out permission to be innovative um, or permission to fail Um, this is this is a great season to be able to do that because um, we are being forced to think outside of the things that we have traditionally done. Um, There's things that just can't happen because social distancing protocols are not allowing large groups to be able to come together. Um, So um, getting into a conversation with your youth volunteers, your team, your pastoral group, um, about innovative ways to still be able to connect and support people in their faith development, in their um, emotional development, their spiritual health, their mental health, um, really is a pretty big deal. Um, recognizing that it's okay to fail um, and figuring out good ways to actually measure the impact of your ministries and the impact of your discipleship is another great place, I think, to be able to support some of the um, uh, stressing stressing items that might be adding to somebody's mental health uh, issues, right? Um, we can't just count numbers. Um, who showed up, how many showed up, how long they stayed on. Um, it's even hard to track their engagement because like, let's say I'm doing a Zoom meeting and I've got three youth that have popped on, um, uh, you know, how do I know if they're watching and listening to the Zoom or, you know, playing an app on their other screen, or, you know, they've got me buried three windows deep or something like that. Um, so it it may be worth getting into conversations with your senior pastor, um, or again, other groups in in your church that talk about what are the metrics that you're using um, to be able to pay attention to spiritual development, growth and engagement because of the things that you're offering. Um, If you can figure out that there are three youth in your church and they were able to identify a hunger issue uh, in their school district because all of a sudden without schools meeting in person, anybody that was on free and reduced lunches was not able to get fed and they decided to start a food pantry ministry or ask you about starting a food pantry ministry um, to support students that can't get that free and reduced meal anymore, Um, that should like set off giant fireworks and big lights and everything to say, oh my gosh, we've done something great because we've connected um, those things that we're trying to teach about caring for our neighbor and loving our neighbor to actual follow through um, and the creation of something that uh, meets a community need as well. Um, so looking at those things that your ministry impacts and, and the choices that youth and their families are um, taking, the action steps that they're taking because of what they're experiencing as part of your ministry, um, should, I think, be getting highlighted in your metrics as well as you know the attendance pieces and those kinds of things.
3: Yes, and um, one thing that was um, my, one of my big goals to offer to our youth workers this year was a in-person youth worker Sabbath, a weekend opportunity for us to come together as youth workers um, and to just take some time to ourselves and have, have like, I think like they do in Arkansas, have a guest speaker. Um, we did that in Central Texas, um, which is why I wanted to bring it to Mountain Sky. Um, thanks to COVID, we. We're not able to do that this year, but we can try again next year. So,
4: well, and uh, and on that front, um, yeah, thinking about 2021, like we all should be. Um, there's so many question marks around it. I mean, honestly, um, uh, Discipleship Ministries we're not we're not hosting any events or traveling anywhere until at least January, um, and we're in conversation right now about how much further that goes. Um, you know, and so looking at those 2021 events and things that we might still be hoping to do um, is a pretty big difference too. Um, And then Amanda, I I think that, you know, Eddie Irwin also. Um, So Eddie is in the Texas conference in Houston and the version of the youth worker thing that he's able to offer from there is a cruise because they're in Houston. And so there's these really cheap cruises that take you out into the Gulf or, you know, towards the Caribbean for a little while. And one of the most successful parts of that whole thing, it's on a boat. So it's pretty great uh, unless there's a pandemic and then you can't get off the boat and nobody lets you back on land or whatever. But um, the last couple of years, the best part of that uh, has that uh, been that he's opened it up to uh, youth workers and their spouses and the time that the spouses have together to be able to talk and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that's married to somebody who keeps this crazy schedule Um, and, you know, buys $200 worth of pool noodles and has an infinite supply of crazy, you know, stuff in their office. Um, And so the community that that built among their youth workers and their spouses um, and the connections that that made uh, really were a powerful part of uh, his version of that Sabbath time as well.
3: Yes, when I served in Central Texas, we always... Uh, did our Sabbath at one of the local camps, Glen Lake Camp. And when we heard that Eddie was down there doing cruises, we were super jealous. but <laughs> so.
4: well, listen, the the Rockies have uh, some great ski resorts, right? I mean, you could find yourself in uh, Jackson Hole or I mean, Steamboat Springs, like uh, the the church there. I know you probably don't want to sleep on the floor there like I used to for my ski retreats, but um you know, I mean, like Father Dyer up in Breckenridge, and like there are, uh, or even some of the places on the western slope, right, if you were to go out towards Fruta uh, or Grand Junction and, you know, do some of those things, uh, you all are gifted with some amazing places to be able to gather, but the trick is finding the time and making sure that that Sabbath time is valued enough um, to be able to take it, because I know it's hard to get, um, and the travel on top of the cost and any of those things that Mountain Sky would normally be used to um, is just complicated that much more with COVID restrictions, you know?
3: Yes, and with our conference being so large geographically, we may have to uh, do several different ones in different locations, so. Well, um, I believe that's all the questions I had. Chris, did, is there anything else you'd like to share um, before we open it up, I guess, to some questions or other comments?
4: I feel like I have talked so much already. <laughs> so um, I, am, I am totally ready to kind of hear some questions and obs- observations about what's going on in churches and communities around there. Um, the, the last piece I wanted to make sure that I was, um, Able to just touch on really, really quickly um, uh, is uh, you know the the challenges that youth workers are facing right now. We talked a lot about boundaries. We talked a lot about you know the pandemic pieces. Um, there's also a real, real big push right now to um, uh, feel the need to be able to respond to what's happening related to race or what's happening related to politics uh, right now. And there are youth leaders that are just finding it difficult to start those conversations. Called. To be in those conversations, but not really knowing where or how to begin, um, and so you know, being in conversation with with trusted networks, with um, fellow youth workers or pastors, um, to be able to start to figure out what what is the first step or how do we begin doing these things, um, because again, youth are youth are being exposed to the conversations and the news stories um, nearly twenty four hours a day, depending on the apps or the news feeds that they use. Um, So there is this desire to address what seems to be something wrong and what seems to be a a movement in our moment in history. Um, And at at the same time feeling this, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to do it. Also, my community might not look like the communities that are being shared that are experiencing this stuff on the news. So how do we engage in conversation when our communities don't demographically look alike and those kind of things? So that's another added stressor. I just wanted to make sure to hit on that one as well.
0: I believe Margaret has a question or a comment. Margaret, your hands up.
2: Yes. Um, so the, the Zoom fatigue I'm finding is uh, superseding almost everything else. I haven't not had a student show up for uh, Sunday school in four months um, because it's on Zoom and they're just not coming. Um, In person, especially now that school has restarted and it's so tumultuous for youth group is also challenging. And so I'm, I'm looking at needing to shift to an every other week format rather than every week and being able to provide um, short short Daily devotionals on Instagram and in kids' text message groups and stuff like that. And I would love to know of resources that just flat out have ideas of what do you do mostly outside, social distanced. Um, you know, I've got, you know, I can put 10 to 15 kids in Fellowship Hall and have them really be distanced when the weather is horrible but they need, they need the together time, they need to be separated middle school from high school and they need to be active. And uh, I figured out a long time ago that when it comes to youth ministry, I'm not the cruise director. I'm the, I'm the emotional theological support person. So I need somebody else to come up with the cruise director ideas. So any resources on that? <laughs>
4: I would be happy to poke around um, and provide a few articles towards uh, Amanda when she sends out the post uh, uh, post gathering notes. Um, and Margaret, it's good to see you. By the way, good to see you too, Chris. Yeah, it's been a while <laughs> since we've been in the same place, but it's always really good to see you. Um, yeah the um, the Zoom fatigue is absolutely a real thing, and I, I think you did key in on a really important piece where it's like you know short um, you you we, I shouldn't say you, we do not need to be tied to the idea that something needs to be 45 minutes or that it needs to be an hour um, or even that it needs to be on Sunday morning or on Wednesday afternoon or any of that kind of stuff. Um, You know, doing things when people are available um, really is one of the gifts, I guess, of this time that we can just be incredibly flexible with when and where we offer stuff. Um, so if that is at church or if that happens to be, you know, out in the community as well, um, you know, doing, um, you know, doing things like, uh, you know, cookouts, um, and, you know, just real simple, real low prep things. Um, and like you said, recruiting that person, um, who can be sort of that like activities game, um, sort of fun person to be able to do stuff, um, works out pretty well. Uh, if you did want to do something that was a little bit, um, off the wall and a little bonkers you could always copy something like the amazing race um, where if you were to you know be able to figure out uh, socially distanced you know pods or small teams uh, that might do scavenger hunts out and around neighborhoods and then come together at a certain place you could certainly try to do something (laughs) like that Um, uh, but uh, you know any of those things are going to be challenges depending on the amount of risk that Youth and their families are willing to take on. Obviously, you know you can limit some of the uh, things by following like you know protocols for hand washing and sanitizing and that kind of stuff. But oh my gosh, that piece just gets genuinely, genuinely tough. Um, there's also been a handful of churches that have done things um, like obstacle races, uh, or they have set up um, they have set up areas on their property. For students who, um, like for students who are doing online schooling but still need to do some sort of like PE or physical education requirement, um, you know, taking the stuff that the church already has and setting up sort of like a designated PE area, uh, along with um, refreshment station, you know, kind of a thing, either for homeschool or virtual school students. Um, has been something I've seen done in a few places um, with some pretty decent success. It lets you get into some conversations with parents uh, while you know the kids run around and do some things as well. Again, pay attention to the risks and you know be in conversation with church leaders about uh, insurance and that sort of thing. Uh, but that one's a pretty good opportunity too. Uh, but oh my gosh, yeah, you and and you're not alone in that Zoom thing either. I mean, it is like you know right now with everybody learning a new way to do school. Oh my gosh it is like no i i don't want to be on the computer any more than i have to
2: right well i don't want to be on them anymore but i have to i'm the leader so what what are you
0: saying
4: (laughs) we're on right now (laughs) that's right
0: that's right sam has a question sam hey thanks jeff um i guess we're in a transition between youth directors right now Um, and growing a program. And so I would be interested to see if you have thoughts on how do you recruit new kids to youth group in a growing program during COVID?
4: That's a great question. Um, Sam, can I ask uh, where um, your church is or, or what part of the conference you're in?
0: Uh, well, for this hour, I'm working for Christ United Methodist Church in Denver. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so um, sort of like attractional ideas for um, trying to get new people connected with your church during the season of the pandemic. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of really, really good examples because there are definitely more people that are struggling with the Margaret side of challenges as opposed to this side of the challenge right now. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I think is really valuable to be able to pay attention to um, is that because of you know, the, the current state of things, um, the questions that young people are trying to answer uh, for themselves as they grow into adults have really been interrupted. Um, there's really three core things that any adolescent is trying to figure out as they head towards adulthood and that has to do with the ideas of uh, identity and purpose and belonging, okay? Um, The identity question is, uh, you know, who am I? Like this is a giant question of adolescence, Um, one that we might wrestle with and one that we might get a bunch of different answers to depending on the day, the week, the month, or the year that we ask ourselves that question, but who am I? Um, So in your church setting, Uh, I would encourage any activity that you're planning to be able to include something that has to do with that identity question. Um, What is the answer that your community or your church wants to be able to help provide when a youth says, well, who am I? Um, You know, is a question like, well, you're a child of God. You're part of the adopted family. Um, And because you're part of that adopted family, we wanna do this, this, and this with you. Um, Or is it, uh, you know, something that's a little bit more um, uh, detailed than that? Uh, anyway, so the identity question, make sure that we're trying to answer identity questions in, in things that we gather to do. Um, the belonging question is, you know, if I have some sense of who I am, then the the natural next questions are, uh, you know, how do I fit here? Where, what, what is my place in the body of Christ? Um, if this church or if this community is asking me to be present, that means that they must think I have value in some way. And so, um, you know, how do I I connect? How do I fit? Uh, Where do I start to put my gifts into practice? And that in turn feeds the purpose question. Um, If I've got an idea of who I am and and how I fit into this whole expression of community, um, then, you know, what is my purpose in it? How can I put my gifts and talents and skills to work? Um, And so uh, as inverse as it might sound, you know, like the traditional attractional model of youth ministry has to do with offering Uh, like really low-risk, high fun kind of events. Um, When you're in a transition phase um, and we're dealing with all these additional restrictions in terms of the sizes of groups that can gather and you know you can't do a dunk tank because that certainly is not sanitary. Um, Look at flipping that model of what really is attractional and look for Um, those youth who are willing to be able to grow into leaders that can answer those uh, or are seeking answers to those questions of identity, purpose, and belonging. And so if you offer opportunities that say we want you here and we want you here to help you discover who you are in Christ or who you are in this community, and then go ahead and take that next step of um, offering some development um, opportunities or some leadership opportunities to those youth to grow and shape and and you know be a part of kickstarting or restarting the next expression of the youth ministry. I think that might be the way to go. Um, don't shy away from those things that might be a little bit more uh, intensive um, and might feel a little bit more risky, um, but uh, you know have to do with again answering those three questions and offering young people the chance to be. Uh, you know sort of like load-bearing members of the body of Christ in the churches where you are. And I apologize if you hear a sneeze or whapping ears, my my dog woke up so she's hiding right behind me. She's sixteen and has no idea how loud she is. <laughs> <Nice>.
0: <laughs> Other questions, comments, interests? See a lot of faces tired of zoom
4: what, one of my questions before we get done just might be you know what, what are the things that you are finding life giving uh, or that you are feeling like you have some success in with your ministries related to young people, um, and that might be youth that might be young adults that might also be their families or their volunteers um, but uh, you know like I said with our website we 're always trying to share those connectional stories of, of what people are doing and um, what happens to be life giving. So I'm I'm curious if there have been moments uh, or uh, pieces that you know really have gone well or fed you in some way during this
0: very unique season.
1: Well, what happened in our, in center? We don't really have youth in our church, um, and one of the things I started when I came here is movie night on uh, the third Thursday of every month. There's no theater in our area um, and so I started that. So um, when we did drive-in church that got me to thinking to do the drive-in movie night Um, and so we have an outdoor screen and so forth and it worked out really really well. Um, We made sanitizer bottles and kids masks and stuff for for them to for school no no matter what it was with supplies and things so um that that's worked out really well and it's got me i have an fm transmitter so that if one time it rained terribly and i i didn't think there was any way anybody would come but they did well now the school actually has asked us because they have to follow spacing um, parameters they've asked to use our drum and hall for an overflow and it and they're telling me that it's it's uh because they don't go to school every single day they're alternating days and so um uh staff and teachers these are their kids they're in class these are their kids um so we have nine and this has been going on now for four weeks and so we've just done all the the paperwork for church mutual and everything to make sure everything's Um, fine. And so I I come from a youth worker background from Louisiana. And so um, this has been hearing their voices downstairs. um, And, you know, I just took down some notes already about what our church, which are mostly aged folks who shouldn't even be mingling with them right now, uh, what we could do, like the, the box of cookies and an encouraging note or something like that. So, um, thank you for sharing some of that because I was trying to figure out what can we do, especially I'm not ready to open up to have movie night inside. Um, I just don't want to run that risk because we, we usually feed them and stuff and and I don't think that's safe yet, so, but that's a great idea to do the bo- the shoe boxes and stuff, so
4: and and that's a great story and and thank you for that too if if you're doing Mm -hmm. those um you know i'm sure that you're paying attention to who's coming as well um in terms of you know names and communication and those sorts of things and so that really can open up the door to relationships and discovering some new needs that are out there um you know just by being able to send an email or a text and say you know thank you so much for coming to watch you know the movie and i know you know things are weird right now but are there things that we can pray for you, uh, you know, right now, or, or you know, other areas that you might need some support in? So, yeah, that, that's really cool. That's great.
3: One thing that happened for us that I don't think would have ever happened had not been this particular time was, um, as a person of color um, in my congregation, I am um, a micro um, underserved community, and when the murder of George Floyd happened we did a lament service. And when I first set it up and had the idea, I really thought it's gonna be mostly attended by you know adults. My youth were so excited and engaged in that service. And I think it allowed them to walk away with some vulnerability as well as a purpose. Um, so that was something, again, I don't think it would have ever happened um, had not we been able to be
2: um, isolated. And looking for some
4: hope, Stacy. That's awesome. Um, and uh, you know that that uh, opportunity for something like a lament service, where there is a real depth and a real different approach to what usually feels like, you know, the need to do a high energy production and have this you know big crazy worship and anything like that. Um, there's a lot to lament right now, um, and it's okay. You know, uh, let's spend some time in lamentations. Let's spend some time leaning on each other um, and talk about those things that are heavy on our hearts and heavy in our communities. That's that's awesome. Um, and if anybody has uh, plugged it all into uh, TikTok um, or any of the other emerging platforms right now, there's a ton of stuff that has to do with uh, racial justice, uh, with uh, political reform, um, and really expressing a lot of those ideas of of grief and lamentation and and these big why questions about why things are the way they are. Um, if we were to go back to some of the older uh, like Testament, uh, Habakkuk actually it'd be really interesting um, for a prophet that asks, you know, like God, uh, you know, why, why are you letting this still go? How long is this gonna happen? Um, and what's our response to it, right? Um, that's awesome that you guys were able to do a service like that, that's cool.
0: Any other questions or responses? There's been some conversation in the chat about uh, starting from one or two or three uh, and appreciate the responses along the way. Anne shared life-giving laughing at breakfast this morning with the high school kids under an oak tree. And sometimes I wonder if it's not just that simple at times.
1: Uh, I think it is. We just read a little devotion and had burritos and laughed and laughed and laughed. And so it's all about relationships.
0: Well, we are coming up on the 1230 hour if there's nothing else. Amanda or Chris, do you have a closing or anything you'd like to share in summary?
3: Um, I'll just share that um, first of all, thank you for joining us. Um, and I am here if you all ever need, um, support or you want to talk about some of the things we've discussed further, uh, please reach out to me. Um, I'll share my email and contact info in the chat. And, um, that's my job. That's what I'm here for. I am here to support you. I'm here to help you and, um, grow, help you grow your ministry. So thank you.
4: And uh, I'll just echo that, thank you. Um, my ministry roots are out in Colorado and I certainly would not be doing what I'm doing now without my own experiences uh, as a young person in the church. And so my, my closing kind of thought might be for um, you, know, you to spend some time reflecting on you know, who were the people or what were the, the things that took place when you were a young person that led you to this particular calling in life, um, you know. We we asked, you know, at some point to take on the heart of God, uh, knowing that that would not be an easy ask. You know, doing that ask means that we hurt along with the community. It, it opens our eyes to things that might make us uncomfortable, uh, and yet, you know, there were people in our lives. There were spiritual mentors. Um, there were activities. There were churches that, that came a part of us and called us to, you know, further this expression of ourselves as well. So uh, I do hope, I I know that we're getting done kind of around lunchtime, but perhaps as you, you know, enjoy your your lunch and get some sustenance, reflect back on those times, those places, those people that really meant something to you in terms of your calling. Um, And if you're lucky enough to have that person still be around or be connected to that person, um, send them a message, give them a phone call and be like, hey, you know what? We may not have talked for a long time, but I need you to know this. that something that you did meant the world to me when I was a teenager. And they may not have any idea (laughs) that that they did that Um, or their memory of it might be totally different. Um, And while you do that, remember that you are also providing opportunities for young people in that same way. The the gifts that you offer, the opportunities that you create in ministry, um, you never quite know which one is gonna be the seed that's gonna be able to take. Um, it's, It's your role really to be that generous gardener uh, and planting seeds just all over the place to see what springs up into a life of faith.
0: Well, Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Amanda, for being here today. Thank you all for being here. Uh, I want to give you just a quick reminder and a heads up. Vital Conversations starting this week is now weekly again. So we will be joining with anyone who wishes every week uh, at this time. On Wednesdays next week we have Mark Feldmeyer, who is the lead pastor of St. Andrew United Methodist Church talking about engaging issues through a politics of compassion uh, and as part of going weekly we are broadening who is hosting each week so Annie Arnoldy will be hosting that conversation next week and then following that um, and then I also want to remind you that tonight If you're having uh, many of your youth ministry, some of you may be involved in worship, but we are hosting a music copyright workshop. So another hour of Zoom, but a helpful one, I hope, uh, tonight at 6.30 and the the registration is in the chat. You can find it online on the conference website. Uh, Feel free to join us for that. So God bless each of you in your ministries and your walk with Christ and with your neighbors, Um, and, and may God grant you the strength and peace you need this week and in the days ahead. Take care, everyone. What are vital conversations?
1: Vital definition one.
0: Of the utmost importance.
1: Contemporary, meaningful, valuable.
3: Concerned with or necessary to the maintenance of life,
1: health, resiliency, wholeness,
3: life.
0: What are vital conversations?
2: Important talks between two or more people about contemporary issues that lead to
0: or are a challenge to
2: the health, the vitality, life of our
0: churches, our communities, our people, our world. Welcome to Vital Conversations.